This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. Oh, no, I get by with a little help from my friends. Let's kick off even by lighting up. Oi. From my friends, the star of the show. Oi, oi. I spoke to a radio broadcaster famous here in New York, WABC, Sid Rosenberg. Oi. This oi. is Sid and Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help. Happy Thanksgiving Friday to you. I guess it's Black Friday, but uh, I still like to call it Thanksgiving Friday. You know, we're always talking about shopping and this and that and different ways to separate yourself from your dollars. And I'd much rather talk about the fact that we just had a wonderful holiday that means so much to our country. I hope that you guys had a wonderful Thanksgiving, whether it was spent with family, whether it was with your radio family here on WABC. We had live programming all day yesterday. Where else are you going to get that? You're not even getting that on Fox News, as a matter of fact. You're getting live programming, but you're not getting the people like Curtis Sliwa, John Katz, and Matidis. Can you imagine that? We got a boss who's coming in and worked seven hours yesterday on Thanksgiving. You got to make sure you give it all if that's the case. If you haven't noticed already, I am not Sid Rosenberg. I'm Andrew Giuliani. Sid has the day off today as he's enjoying a wonderful day after Thanksgiving with his family. Well-deserved. And, uh, you know, all morning today, you're going to want to stay with us because we are going to be focused on the Hamas-Israeli hostage release that should be at 9 o'clock Eastern. So we're going to be keeping an eye on this to see if this actually happens, as you have heard from Noam Laden just a few short minutes ago, as you heard from us yesterday, and as you've heard over the last couple of days, Qatar negotiated a... Temporary ceasefire between Hamas and Israel uh, for a prisoner exchange, for a hostage exchange. And the terms of it, in case you've forgotten, are 50 Israelis for 150 Palestinians with a four-day ceasefire. For every 10 additional hostages that Hamas releases, there will be another day of ceasefire. So we will see... If this actually release starts to happen, it would be 9 a.m. Eastern time. We will be all over this. I'm going to give you my opinion on that as well because I actually heard something that Alan Dershowitz said with John Katzimatidis and Rita Cosby a few short days ago. It's very dangerous, very dangerous. If you start going down this road of putting a price on Israeli and American hostages, because what does that incentivize? It incentivizes more terrorist organizations like Hamas 
like Hezbollah, like other terrorist organizations that are funded by Iran. By the way, that's the head of the snake right there. We'll get into that. But incentivizes them to take more hostages. That's what ends up happening with all this. Look, I said this yesterday. You don't have a heart if you don't look at what's going on with these hostages. And if it doesn't give you pause, if you don't actually look and say, man, this is this is a terrible, terrible situation for them. But you don't have a brain if you're not looking and saying that Hamas, this brutal, barbaric terrorist organization that goes to the depths of building their military operations around hospitals that uses women and kids as human shields that mind you. And by the way, this is something that I would yell at these protests. I probably wouldn't even yell at these protests because they're not listening. They're crazy. But anybody who actually has an unbiased bone in their body that can look at this and can see exactly what Hamas has been doing in order to try to keep power They are building, they're building their military operations around these kids, around these sick sick people. They're trying to use the hospital over there, the hospitals. It's not just one hospital, but the hospitals over there as a way to get international opinion on their side. Oh, isn't it so terrible what the Israelis are doing? They've killed Tens of thousands of civilians over there. I think the number that the uh, that the Gaza Health Ministry, by the way, that's Hamas. That's Hamas. Just letting you know. I think the number that they've recent re- 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 <laughs> recently released. Excuse my tryptophan. Still, it's still in the system. There uh, is fourteen thousand five hundred. Now, we have no way to confirm that number. We don't know. And what I can tell you in looking at Israel's actions. Up to this point, they have done everything that they possibly can to make sure as many civilians are out of the area as possible. They dropped pamphlets. They literally made calls. I can tell you, running a gubernatorial campaign, when you build out a call center in order to do that, that takes time, it takes resources, it takes money. And also just knowing exactly how you can contact these civilians without giving away a lot of your military positions and what you're going to do. You can't do it. If you're dropping 1.5 million pamphlets in Gaza to these civilians, then guess what? The military is going to find out. They're going to find out that you're coming in and they're going to prepare for you as well. But Israel does that. They do that because they look and they say, we are not these animals, these terrorists that come in. And by the way, anytime I've seen people talk about this being a military thing that happened on October 7th, it wasn't. This was brutalistic. I've gone through it time and time again. You've heard it time and time again, but it bears repeating. As long as we're going through this, it's very important to remember those days of October 7th. Just like for us. And we preach this, I preach it a lot, but we preach it on September 11th. We preach it, preach it around September 11th. We should preach it a lot more. It's very important for us to remember those events of September 11th. It's very important for us also to remember what exactly happened on October 7th. You had people, terrorists, that went into Israel, that raped women, that beheaded children, 
that took hostages, that tortured people, that burned people alive, that's what you're dealing with. Meanwhile, it seems like the United Nations comes out on their side and not Israel's side. So anyway, I want to hear your opinions on this. We're going to open up the phone lines a little bit. By the way, I think, I think Curtis Lee was going to be coming in at 7 o'clock. I don't know. He, you know, he never shows up in studio, so you just you just never know if Curtis is around. I don't, I don't know. He's sometimes sometimes here. He's something. No, he lives here basically. I'm sure he's in the back somewhere, getting a couple of hours of sleep. Um, but Curtis is supposed to be here. I think our owner operator John Katzimatidis is going to be making an appearance as well. Uh, by the way, it was a fantastic day yesterday to spend six hours on air with Curtis Sliwa, with John Katzimatidis. You know. For somebody who doesn't do four or six-hour shows that often, right, you might get my podcast, The Andrew Giuliani Show, also Not That Andrew, if you go to wabcradio.com and type it in, or you could get it on my social media feed, at Andrew H. Giuliani, you know, but I'm used to doing 30 minutes, 45 minutes or so at a time. But to do four hours, six hours, especially on a holiday when there's maybe not as much news going on on most days, right? Although yesterday, I would say, was a bit of an exception from a news standpoint. You had the pro-terror protesters. And by the way, that's what I'm calling them now. They're not pro-Palestinian protesters. These are pro-terror protesters that ended up coming out on the Thanksgiving giving parade route. Now, why do I call them pro-terror protesters? Because these protests spiked up. In lights of the events of what Hamas did, this did not just start in a vacuum, as the left likes to say, right? They started these protests. They ramped up these protests right after Hamas went in and butchered these kids and raped these women. So they're pro-terror protests is the way that I look at it. So you had the pro-terror protests right out on 6th Avenue. I think it was 46th Street, but certainly 6th Avenue yesterday, who were gluing themselves John Katsimatidis said it when it happened. How dumb can you be to glue your hands to the pavement on 6th Avenue right there? Yeah, you're making a point, but I don't even really know what the point is. I don't know. I remember when they did this at the U.S. So I actually had a friend who was at the uh, U.S. Open tennis event when uh, when you had one of the protesters that glued their feet. Uh, and it wasn't to the court. I actually thought it was to the court. Um, but I guess they were sitting somewhere toward the front row, maybe the third row or something like that. They glued their feet, I think it was two people, to the pavement there and were yelling all kinds of, I think they were protesting for climate, basically, climate change. And basically they had to stop the, uh, I think it was the women's semifinal for like, I don't know, 45 minutes to an hour or something like that. And what I was saying when I thought that it was actually on the court, I was like, we should just continue to play with this person on there. And, you know, I don't know if this person's a male or a female. This person probably identifies as 17 different genders as one, as one, at once. I don't know. I really don't know. I didn't do a cup check. I don't intend to. I don't want to. But what I'll tell you is, if that person ended up gluing themselves to the court, I would just keep playing tennis. Why not? And you know what? Let's change the rules a little bit. If you hit them in, you know, in the uh, in the family jewels right there, you get an extra point. You go from 15 instead of 15 to 30, you go to 15 to 40. How about that? That's tennis scoring for you right there. You get an extra point. You go from one instead of one to two, you go to one to three. And you know what? 
maybe with these protesters, maybe what we should have done was, hey, you know what? Let's have the balloons kind of walk around here. We're just going to walk around a little bit. Let's move the crowd to the side here. We'll walk around. And uh, when traffic opens up at 1230, let's just kind of have con- traffic continue around them. Let's have them kind of sit on Fifth Avenue, on Sixth Avenue there with their, uh, with their feet and hands glued to the pavement on Sixth Avenue. What do you think about that? That might actually deter people from doing that. I'll tell you what's not going to deter people from going out there and protesting in Manhattan. It's our wonderful district attorney, Alvin Bragg. What do you think Alvin Bragg is going to do with this situation? You think Alvin Bragg is going to look at this and say, okay, you know what? This is, this is good. I can make a point out of these people. Oh, no. He's going to do that to my friend, Donald J. Trump. That's who he's going to do it to. But people that actually are going to go and interrupt the Thanksgiving Day Parade. By the way, it's not just a New York event. This is a worldwide event. I go almost every year. And now that my daughter is born, we've done it the last couple of years, the day before when the balloons are being blown up, which, by the way, I really recommend to anybody. I think it's a spectacular thing. You don't have to worry about getting there at 3 a.m. or 4 a.m. You can enjoy your whole Thanksgiving with people. But you go around the Natural History Museum on 77th and uh, 81st Street, and you see the balloons as they're being blown up. This is actually a family tradition that I had with my mother and father, and I've got pictures. i got to find these pictures and post them on my social media. But I had pictures being on my father's shoulders when I was a little guy, two, three years old, and seeing Spider-Man get blown up and all the other balloons. I didn't recognize, like, half the balloons, which, you know, I I always used to look at people and say, well, you know, I I feel old and be like, what what do you mean you feel old? You're you're in your 30s, your 40s, your 50s, 60s. You're not old. What are you talking about? But I got to tell you, looking at the balloons and not recognizing, like, half the characters, I I felt a little old. I don't want to say it too loud. I felt a little old, you know? But at least I'm... Old with a lot of energy, even with all this tryptophan. But I got to tell you, it is a great thing to do. I love going to the balloons getting blown up. Every Wednesday before Thanksgiving, it happens. It's something that I would set my calendar for next year if you have the opportunity to. I'll be there again next year with my daughter. I had her on my shoulders yesterday, two days ago, which was just fantastic. And uh, it's just fun for her to start seeing it. She's turning two in a couple of days. And for her to actually see these balloons getting blown up. Uh, you know, she noticed Baby Shark because we sing the Baby Shark song. It's a famous song if you if you have any kids or grandkids of that age. But we'll get back to Israel here as we end up following the terrorist. I said terrorist released. I meant the hostage release over here. But I want to talk a little bit about Thanksgiving dinner, too. You know, we'll, we'll talk about this next segment as we only have a couple minutes left in this segment, we have so much more to talk about today. By the way, want to hear from your calls, 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. We're going to talk more about these pro-terror protesters at the parade. We're going to dive into the Eric Adams lawsuit a little bit because this could be very clear in terms of whether or not he is guilty or whether or not he is completely innocent of these charges. I'll tell you why it's going to be very clear. We're also going to see how Joe Biden said he wants to stop the rancor. Well, at the very same time, his campaign ended up releasing and publishing a way to combat the MAGA fanatics at your Thanksgiving table. That's great, Joe. 
you're really, really showing exactly how you want to stop the rancor. Really leading by example over here, Joe. Great job. Really, really good. And you're really standing up for Israel. Want to give $10 billion more Thanksgiving dollars to Iran? You want to do that? Because I'm sure they're going to use that for humanitarian purposes. I'm sure they're not going to target Israelis. And I'm sure they're not going to target American service members. Okay, here with you all morning, Andrew Giuliani in place of Sid Rosenberg. Happy Thanksgiving Friday. Let's get it going, baby. This morning at 9, it's First Responder Fridays. Never forget, that's the commitment we made on 9-11. Honor it by donating $11 a month right now during First Responder Fridays during the season of hope to the Tunnel to Towers Foundation at T2T.org. That's T, the number 2, T.org. 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. You know, I used to think I knew a few things about music until I started working in radio over the last year. You have music geniuses here. Obviously, Lou Rufino, who also has the day off, knows his music as well as anybody I've ever met. But Diego is not too far behind him right there. And I got to tell you, I am so embarrassed to tell you that I'm listening to this and I'm like, I know who this is. But I, it couldn't come to me that it was Genesis and Phil Collins. Diego, what, what do you think about that? What, I mean, it, does that make me deficient as a human being and a person? No, it's okay. It happens all the time. Are you time. sure? The, the best people. Because I feel bad about the fact that I didn't know this was Phil Collins. I knew it was somebody that I should know, but I, I couldn't I couldn't come around with it. Am, am I maybe lacking IQ points because of this? It's 6 o'clock in the morning, Andrew. You're good. Well, it's already 625, and I've had you know three cups of coffee at this point. <laughs> I mean, I know there's tryptophan fighting. It's like a battle. Inside my body right now between the caffeine. I guess this segment, the caffeine's winning. But between the caffeine (laughs) and the tryptophan on both sides, right? Think about this this war that's going on in your body here. Bam, bam, bam. The tryptophan you got on the left. You've got the coffee on the right because the coffee is good in this. uh, Probably too much coffee is not too good. But, you know, the right is good. The left not so good. So, bam, they're fighting each other right here. But anyway, Andrew Giuliani, who knows very little about music, but I know a few things about politics. Uh, He's going to be taking you here to the 10 o'clock hour. Sid Rosenberg has the day and weekend off, as is well-deserved. And uh, we're going to try to keep on uh, following this incredible, incredible ceasefire here in Israel. We have actually somebody from Israel who I think just called in or is about to call in. We'll probably get to him next segment because I want to hear on the ground what the thoughts are in Israel with this hostage release. You know, 
diving a little into this, and I know I talked a little bit more about it last segment here, but again, when you think about the fact that you start, you've heard in movies so many times, right? We do not negotiate with terrorists, right? You can, you've heard it in pop culture, um, but that really, for a very long time, was an American policy, and at some points we started doing that. I'm not even actually sure of the history of when we kind of started doing that, but then what ends up happening is you end up taking these hostages, and and uh, if you look now, Israelis or other American citizens around the globe, if if anyone in Gaza, if Hamas, if Hezbollah, if other terrorist organizations, if other bad actors are looking for some type of payment, some type of profit, American citizens and Israelis can be potential targets now at this point. Again, I am... I'm going to be very happy to see the pictures of these 50 Israeli and a few American citizens in there that are going to be reunited with their families. That'll be wonderful. You also think, though, of the cost. And I mentioned that cost. You also have the fact that you have 150 Palestinians that are being released. And by the way, these Palestinians are also, they're not civilian women and children for the most part, because Israel is not capturing those civilian women and children. They're people that ended up showing aggression, tried to kill Israelis. You got to remember, in Gaza, when you're a child, you're taught to kill Israelis, that you will receive salvation if you kill Jews. That's what you're dealing with. That's the mindset that you're dealing with over there. And we're going to talk more about that. We're going to talk a little bit about the Eric Adams lawsuit as well. I'll get right into the Eric Adams lawsuit right now. I'll save Thanksgiving dinner for the next segment. But, you know, one of the things that I think is very clear, and we're going to find out, I think, pretty early on in this investigation, what side is telling the truth and what side is not, is very simply what the mayor says about this, right? A mayor spokesperson yesterday in responding to the lawsuit said, and I quote, the mayor does not know who this person is. If they ever met, he does not recall. Now, this is somebody who says that they worked with him in 1993, 30 years ago. So we're going to find out very, very quickly early on in this investigation whether or not Adams is telling the truth on this, and this is somebody that he worked with on a daily basis, or whether it's somebody that he really doesn't know. And so you'll be able to see the very first signs of this, whether or not Adams is telling the truth on this and his team is telling the truth or whether they're not. And that'll kind of start to guide you to, okay, well, you know, Adams is trying to either distance himself from this or, you know what, he actually didn't know this person. He's being targeted. And you got to remember, as much as I've criticized Eric Adams and as, as poor of a job as I think he's doing with New York City, and it's, you know... Look, I always get that he's better than de Blasio. And look, we're comparing him to the, I think, the lowest rung of New York mayors. Him and Dinkins, you know, you're talking about some of the worst mayors in the history of our city, in the history of American cities. I just, when he came in, I had a little more hope for him. I've got to tell you. Maybe it was some of the tough talk. Maybe it was the fact that he was willing to look from a public safety perspective and talk about on the campaign trail, the fact that public safety is a real issue for New Yorkers. But I'll tell you, 
you know, his first year in office was such a disappointment. And I'll tell you why. From a mayoral perspective, you have your maximum leverage your first year in office. And why is that? Because you have a gubernatorial campaign going on, right? 2021 was the mayoral election when we know Eric Adams ran against our friend Curtis Lewa. And 2022 is a gubernatorial campaign, along with all the state assembly and the, and the state senators. They're up for reelection. So what that means is in 2021, your first year as mayor, you have maximum leverage to go up to Albany and say, I want these bail laws reversed. You have absolute maximum leverage to do that. And what did Eric Adams end up doing? He didn't. He backed down on a lot of this stuff. He saw politically that he wants to make sure that he ends up dealing with the left. He wants to make sure he's invited back to the cocktail parties. We're going to continue this on the other side because I got a lot more to say about Eric Adams and how, by the way, he might be able to recover and make his mayoralhood great, not for himself and his political ambitions, but for the people of New York. We're breaking right now, but stay right here because... We got a whole lot to talk about here on Sid and Friends with Andrew Giuliani today. Listen to your favorite shows live and on demand. Enable the 77 WABC Alexa skill today. Tell Alexa. Play 77 WABC. Real New York. 77 WABC. Coming up this morning at 9. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation Season of Hope First Responder Fridays. Join the Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good during the Season of Hope. Donate just $11 a month at T2T.org. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Good. I like that, Diego. Very, very nice. Okay. Chuck who? Who is it? Is it Chuck is his name who sings this? Chuck Berry. Chuck Berry. Okay. Shows again. Andrew Giuliani knows nothing about music, but I'm here with you because Sid's taking a well-deserved day off here on Sid and Friends. I got Diego. I got Matt on the other side of the glass over here, and we're having a wonderful morning after Thanksgiving. We're going to be following a whole bunch of stories, including... Most importantly, most relevant today is this hostage release that should be at 9 o'clock Eastern. So you want to stay with us as we go through this, as we see this live, and to see if actually the beginning of these 50 Israeli hostages start getting released back into Israel, uh, the deal being 150 Palestinians. As a matter of fact, in a few short minutes, I'm going to go to somebody from Israel who's a frequent caller into my father's show, who's on every day, 3 o'clock, WABC, Rudolph Giuliani. So make sure you tune in to him. But he's going to give us what it sounds like on the ground. Before we 
get back to Israel here in this hostage release. I want to get into what I was saying about Eric Adams and why I was so disappointed in his first year as mayor. He had maximum leverage with Hochul, with the legislature to go up there and basically say, hey, look, these bail reform laws, we need to reverse these things. If you want me to be successful here in New York, then we need to make sure that our police can be proactive and not reactive on their heels as they have been for the last 10 years. Now, unfortunately, what we ended up seeing was very, very little progress with regard to the bail laws. And when you add that to district attorneys like Alvin Bragg, like the DA out in Brooklyn and in the Bronx, you have crime, violent crime, that many times gets unpunished. John Katzimatidis talked about this time and time again, and the number that he says is 3,300 people. 3,300 people are committing the majority of crimes in New York City. And the number that I've heard is actually less than that. And it's not the majority. 1,300 people is the number that I've heard commit 35% of the violent crime in New York. The same 1,300 people. So if you think about it, if you find those 1,300 people, put a task force together, they're going to find most of those people. Probably they have priors. And obviously, they are guilty until they are innocent until proven guilty. (laughs) But think about what you would do for the rest of New York City if you found those 1,300 people and you put them in jail. And look, while I certainly believe in broken windows, it worked here in New York, it worked in other cities that applied it. It worked amazingly here in New York. I'm also a believer that if you've committed small level offenses or other offenses, certainly for the first time, the penitentiary system should offer rehabilitation. And the reason for that is, one, I think it's just a humanitarian right thing to do, right? You want somebody who's made a mistake to have the opportunity to realize the flaw in their ways, and to have an opportunity to actually get better. But secondly, from a city's perspective, it's going to dedicate far more resources in the long term to somebody who comes out and actually can become, work to become a productive member of society. If they can work to become an actual taxpayer rather than somebody the taxpayers must support, and if you can do that and build a system where you can actually do that with a lot of low-level and first-time people who've committed crimes, then you're going to have a city that's going to have more people that are going to be able to contribute to the tax base, that's going to be able to serve their community. They're going to be able to tell stories to younger kids and say, hey, look, I was going the wrong way, but I corrected my issues, and here's hope. Here's hope for you. And that is so important. But let's put it this way. When you have repeat offenders that continually commit violent crime that obviously show that they don't have any interest in their own rehabilitation, you put them away. It's that simple. You put them away. Because you don't do that, then guess what? 
It's the rest of New York that suffers. It's the rest of the businesses. It's the taxpayers. It's the tourists. It's everything. And it's a snowball effect. And we've talked about it time and time again. And Adams, he talks a good game on this stuff. He gives a good press conference. But where does he follow through? He doesn't follow through at all. And we'll get back to him in a couple of, in an hour or something like that, because there's a new poll also that's got his numbers. They went, I think he's 37% approval, 54% disapproval at this point. But I want to get back here to the big story of the morning, which is the release of these hostages here in Israel. And I want to talk to a friend of the show, a friend of WABC who is in Israel Joel from Israel. Joel, how are you doing this Friday afternoon, your time, Friday morning, our time? Thank you, Andrew. Thanks for taking my call. Good morning to you and all of your listeners. My highest gratitude to you, your father, and all the staff at WABC. You guys are always on top of it. Thank you, Joel. Uh, I'm, um, and uh, I'm okay um, myself, you know. First, I, I, because we have, you know, a lot of Catholic and Jewish listeners, I do want to just call your attention to... Uh, Today's St. Andrew's uh, Day, not the original St. Andrew, but uh, the one from Vietnam uh, who was sainted by the church. And I always like to, um, you know, try to make, especially in these harsh times where we're defending Western civilization, some of the um, things that we all have in common. And today's Mass actually deals with Hanukkah from the Book of Maccabees. And in case we like to educate people here on the show in case any of the listeners are confused by the dates, when it says 148 in today's Mass, that's from the Macedonian calendar, which from the time of uh, Alexander the Great. So that would actually correspond to when Hanukkah took place, 185 BCE or BC, so Joel, uh, before Jesus. So, so anyway, back yeah, to the subject. Yes, yes, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, no, no. I, what I want to ask more than anything, and thank you for the you know theological um reference there and and uh, but I, I really want to get into the to the topic right at hand right now obviously we're a few short hours from seeing if these uh hostages are going to be released by Hamas what are your thoughts on this hostage exchange and release and uh impending ceasefire so the ceasefire started um this morning so far it's held uh it's a few hours before the sabbath here so the ceasefire has been very quiet. There was heavy bombardment last night. They're expecting 13 uh, women and children to be coming over in just about two hours and 15 minutes. So, so to see that in the news, right. uh, it's heart-wrenching. A lot of these children lost their parents or even saw their parents yeah. being killed just six, seven weeks ago. Um, there's a team of um, you know, therapists, and, and first they'll be uh, heading to a few different hospitals. Mm-hmm. No one really knows exactly what to to expect. Um, there could be malnourishment issues. There could be other abuse issues. Mm-hmm. It'll be somewhat. Uh, what do, you know, Joel? What, what do you? Yeah. What do we think about the actual uh, negotiation here? Because obviously, you know, uh, very happy that these fifty will be coming home. And and as you said, there are you know just because they're coming home doesn't mean their challenges end. But what do we think about the fact that uh, one hundred and fifty uh, you know uh, Palestinians, if you will. Uh, are going to be released into Gaza, and what can you tell us about those 150? Are these are these civilians that are being released, or are these people that you know really believe and and have been f- tried to follow through on uh, killing Israelis and Jews? This is such a complex question because, um, first of all, in terms of 
the, the, the ceasefire. That's one of the biggest concerns because during the five day ceasefire, it's like, you know, your dad always talks about boxing. It's like when you let that guy take that minute rest to recharge, you know, he may be one punch away from being knocked out. Yeah. But when that bell rings at the end of the round and he gets a chance to rejuvenate that five days, uh, despite that they'll be able to do a lot to keep track is going to really allow Hamas to um, recharge. And, and if the fighting starts next Wednesday, they, they want to draw out that ceasefire as long as they can to rebuild their strength. And, and they're using, unfortunately, all these hostages as pawns. Yeah. In terms of the trade-off, the 150 that are going to be released, um, while none of them have been committed uh, committed actual murder, many of them are uh, terrorists. They've, they've been involved in stabbing attacks. Mm-hmm. And somehow the agreement was is that they could go back to their uh, residences in the West Bank. So if they wake up Sunday morning and, you know, decide to go on jihad again, you know, they, they can be rearrested. But it, it, it's, a, it's a scary situation. It, it's a high risk situation. These are. Uh, well, then you need to it, use those. Not- yeah. Then you'd need to use your assets to be able to track them. And then rearrest them as well, right? So that's that's the that's the thing. I heard that there was actually even uh, in one of the one of the hundred and fifty that are released Palestinians going back to the West Bank. One actually had stabbed or tried to stab uh, an IDF special forces guy, basically as she was crossing the border. Is is that right? That there was one that was in there that was doing that was doing that. Yes, that's true. Uh, there, there are a few in there that, that are guilty of uh, crimes like that, not just that story. But um, I think there are about 30 that are involved in stabbing attacks, including teenagers. So uh, that, that's uh, a very high uh, risk that will be represented. So we'll have to – everybody is on their toes being vigilant. Joe, uh, Joe one more yeah. question, too. How on the ground is the media – Looking at this in uh, in Israel, what, what's the or what's the overwhelming feeling in terms of this ceasefire, the release? Is this being celebrated? Is it being uh, is it looked at? And is it are they saying, hey, just exactly what you're saying, which is this is very complicated. While these 50 are we're, we're blessed to have them come back. We also understand what this could mean for Hamas and giving him uh, more of an opportunity to catch their breath. Well, if you can imagine that at the same time feeling absolute pain and horror as well as joy, that that's the type of a feeling it is. And unfortunately, that's what the enemy wants to do. They want to put people in a no-win situation. That's the surreal world we're living in. We, we can look at it, you know, what's happening here, that, that terrorism does this. And it's that same thing that's going on in, in such a uh, with the surreal things that your dad talks about, for example, in 1984, the goal is to put people in a trap and uh, we have to use our intelligence to find our way out of the trap. So it's not an easy answer. And it's the same thing that's that's going on when you, for example, tell the big lie. Yeah. We're hearing now all the time the big lie of Hamas. And we have like you pointed out at the beginning of the show, a president who wants to he himself is guilty of a big lie with the laptop. And yet he wants to unite so that everybody's trying to work through this type of a paradox. And this is why we really need to pray and and stay together and strengthen each other. So that's what the families are doing. I was down at the hostage square last night at the Tel Aviv Museum of Art. They have a 24 seven vigil for the last seven or eight weeks. And uh, there's going to be a lot of crying and and hugging. And 
it's it's just such a uh, overwhelming amount of trauma. So it's going to take forever. And uh, th- I can't say that there's one easy answer to your question because on one level, it's good to have them back. And, and, and at the same time, they've experienced unexpressible damage to their lives. And we don't, it, there's not even an assessment yet of, of what that is. So, well, Joel, damage assessment. Well, Joel, thank you so much for calling in continually and, and giving us really a, a look on the ground there. Your perspective is really, really valued here at WABC. I'm a, I know my dad, you know, really has uh, what feels like a very personal relationship with you as well. And, and I just want to thank you very much for continuing to keep us and, and our, our listeners uh, notified on what's going on on the ground. And be safe, okay? Thank you. Happy Thanksgiving weekend to everyone. Uh, thank you, Joel. Well, hey, we'll be back right after this break here and we'll I'll have a little commentary on exactly what Joel ended up saying uh but we've got a whole lot more to cover including actually keeping an eye on this hostage exchange we're gonna be following that here over the next couple hours here on sit and friends with Andrew Giuliani this morning Coming up in the 9 a.m. hour, it's First Responder Fridays. Join the Tunnel to Towers Foundation during the season of hope on its mission to do good in honor of America's heroes. Donate $11 a month for First Responder Fridays at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. In my mind, I hit that high note, but I didn't want to expose our wonderful listening audience to me trying to hit that high note. As you could tell, Andrew Giuliani in for Sid Rosenberg today on Sid and Friends. You know, I got to tell you, and this probably speaks to what I was talking with Diego before about, all of my, I should say, the last two segments, those songs, my perspective on those songs is from 1980s movies. Ghostbusters, when the Statue of Liberty come, is, is walking down... Uh, to save the Museum of Modern Art in Ghostbusters 2, which, thank goodness, they did that. You know, love the Museum of Modern Art. You wouldn't be able to have the Met Gala every single year if the Statue of Liberty didn't do that. So thank you, Lady Liberty. Um, and then also the song before, I think, of uh, Michael J. Fox in Back to the Future there going on and playing Johnny B. Good. So uh, that's my perspective from a musical perspective. But I got to tell you, yesterday's Thanksgiving dinner, was was really wonderful. And we had people from all over the world that ended up coming to our Thanksgiving dinner. We had uh, Christians. I'm Roman Catholic. We had Jews at Thanksgiving dinner. We had people, actually, of both political parties at our dinner. And it was so smooth and so much fun. It was the first time that I had hosted. I really enjoyed it. I mean, I've got to give my wife a whole lot of credit. She's the one who actually 
did the brunt of the work. I was just out here talking for six hours yesterday. She had to prepare the turkey. She had to, I chopped some things up, right? I got a little cut on my uh, on my pointer finger here on my left hand to show it right there. It's not too much. Yet. I don't even want to. Not even really proud of it to be honest. But it was really, really a wonderful time. But you know, it was terrible yesterday. The football games were all terrible, and I was excited about it. I was looking forward to the first matchup, and it was just very disappointing. I know Green Bay only won by a touchdown, but Green Bay was up two scores the whole game. It didn't really feel like Detroit was in it. I mean, I, I know that they're the better team in theory, right? They're 8-2, they're 8-3. Eight and two, eight and three. They really didn't show it. The Dallas Cowboy game was kind of terrible. I know that was a little closer until it became a blowout. I mean, probably the most newsworthy thing that happened on a football field yesterday was Dolly Parton, 77 years old. She still looks great. Dolly. Let's play a little Dolly here in the next hour over here. But, alas, the one, the only, the radio legend, Curtis Sliwa, will be joining me in the next hour. I asked him how his Thanksgiving was, and you know what he said? Eh, eh, that's what he said. How you doing this morning? Are you excited? Nah, you know, just a day. And I'm like, Curtis, come on, baby, we're alive. It's Thanksgiving Friday, and you get to spend the next couple hours with me. Maybe that's why he's not too excited. We'll see, though, right on the other side. Come on back, WABC Radio with Andrew Giuliani, and then Curtis Sliwa, probably John Katsimatidis, filling in for Sid Rosenberg. <laughs>